This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, everybody. We haven't had a chance to meet yet. My name is Kevin. I lost my voice on Thursday. It's coming back, which means today's going to be fun. Because some of the time I'm going to sound like Barry White. Talking about the sweet, sweet love of Jesus. If I get excited, I'm going to sound like Screech from Saved by the Bell. You just never know what you're going to get. But I was praying this morning, and I realized, you know what? It doesn't really matter what I sound like. Because the amazing gift of God is that he actually wants to speak to each of us today. He may do it through a song. He may do it through a friend who greets you and shares an encouraging word. He may do it through something he uses in this message today. He may have done it in communion. But God wants to speak to us, and I'm so excited to share this time with each of you today. All I would ask is this. If my voice cracks, would you laugh? Just laugh, because it's hilarious. We're going to call it puberty preaching today. It's going to be very, very fun. Hey, when you walked in, you should have received a program that looks just like this. Uh, Inside, you're going to want to grab this card that says Start Here. Uh, It's a connection card. It helps us stay connected to you. It helps you stay connected to us and the things we're doing in the church, in the city, and around the world. Uh, We're going to be signing up for life groups a little bit later. Life groups are these small group gatherings that meet uh, throughout the week. We go for 10 to 12 weeks in sessions. We're starting our first round of sessions today, actually. So if you're here for the first time, it's a great time to be here. You could join a life group and jump in this fall. The other thing you're going to want are these teaching notes. Go ahead and grab them. Uh, They've got some fill-in-the-blanks. They've got the Bible verses we're looking at. They've got some space for you to actually write uh, write some things down to take home, to think about, to process through with your housemates, with your friends, with your spouse, with your kids this week. So go ahead and get that ready. And if you've been gone for a few weeks and you're joining back in with us, or maybe it's your first time, let me just give you a snapshot of where we've been and where we're going. We're in a series right now called Weird. We're talking about what would it look like to get things right this time. Because we've all had experiences where we've blown it, where we've messed up, and we've thought to ourselves, boy, next time I'm going to do it differently. In my next marriage, with my next kid, in my next job, with our next round of finances, next time I'm going to get it right. But what if we didn't have to wait till next time? What if we could actually get it right this time. See, God is a good, good father. And like any good father, God gives us wisdom about how to get life right this time so we wouldn't have to deal with the needless heartache and pain and regret, but we could live the life that we were created to live. And so we've been looking at the practical sense wisdom of God from the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs was written by a king in the Old Testament of the Bible named Solomon. Uh, It was written almost 3,000 years ago, and many people believe Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. Now, whether you agree with that or not, we can all say that if thousands of people are reading your writings in 3,000 years, you're pretty wise, right? So thousands of us are still reading the teachings of Solomon because he was given wisdom by God and how to get life right. He wrote this book primarily to his son to teach his son how to get his life right. It was common sense when he wrote it some 3,000 years ago, but the truth is, 3,000 years later, it is uncommon sense today, which is why we're calling this series Weird, because if we live out the wisdom that Solomon talks about, we're going to look weird in our communities, but that's okay, because normal isn't working all that well anyway. And then two weeks ago, we started kind of a mini-series within our larger Weird series, talking about the power of our words. I shared with us a few weeks ago that the average American speaks 10,000 words 
every day. And whether you're here and you're a Jesus follower or not, we can all agree that words have power. Words either have power to bring great joy and healing and purpose in life, or they have the power to bring pain. And as Jesus followers, we want to be people whose words bring life uh, to ourselves and to those around us. And we said last week that for those of us who are followers of Jesus, it actually goes deeper than just influencing and impacting those around us, that our words actually reveal something deep down inside of us. And Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 6. Jesus said, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. He says it like this. When we say things, Jesus would say we're not actually just saying things. That what comes out of here actually reveals what's going on in here. And so I asked us last week as we were going through our, our message, what if we just used our words as a dipstick into what's going on in the deepest parts of our inner lives? Give me one quick sec. You should be very happy you got up early for first service because I have a good feeling it's going to be a lot less berry and a lot more screech by the time we get to third service. That it is a, it's a dipstick into the inner parts of our lives. And I encouraged us last week if if what we were talking about last week, you put the dipstick in and it revealed something in the inner parts that you weren't all that excited about. I said, boy, get some help. Find a community. Uh, do some digging. Invite God to transform our inner lives. And then I invited us to consider going to counseling. And I shared a little bit of my story. And I want to tell you, I was so encouraged by the humility of our church to say, I want to go to counseling. We had over 30 people marked down that they wanted to get involved in counseling and do some inner work. And that just made me so happy for our church. So here's what we've been talking about for the last couple of words, dig, weeks, digging into our words to get the most power and potential out of it. And if you've missed any part of this series, you could just go to our website, newlifepetaluma.org, or you could podcast it and pull up the series. But here's a snapshot. The first week we said we need to let our words be few, let our words be few. And mom was right when mom said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And I think God wanted to help me with my words being few, so he just let me lose my voice so my words could be few. Here's the question I asked us to think about in the context of letting our words be few. Why, why am I about to say this? Why am I about to say this? We said, let our words be few and let our words be true. That oftentimes we lie to protect ourselves, but the truth is whenever we lie, we're actually trapping ourselves in a web of lies. And freedom comes from complete transparency, complete truth. And the only way we can be true is when we know our standing before God. And then last week we said, let our words be gentle. So let our words be few, true, and gentle. Not only in what we say, but how we say it is incredibly important. And I said this week, if you get into any areas of tension, try this phrase, help me understand. Help me understand. And boy, that diffuses the situation because it puts us in a learning posture. And today I want to talk about the last thing that Solomon says when it comes to our words. And this is the one that brings the other three into complete focus. Solomon would say this, if you want to get the most out of your 10,000 words a day, if you want to have less needless damage and pain to yourself and those around you, 
And if you want to have more potential for good, this is the secret sauce for your words. And it's this. Let your words be life-giving. Let your words be life-giving. And he gives four word pictures in Proverbs to talk about this. The first is in Proverbs 10, 11, where Solomon says this, the mouth of the righteous, it's a fountain of life. Underline that, it's a fountain of life. We're gonna come back to it. But the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. In Proverbs 10, 20, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. Underline choice silver, circle it, put an emoticon next to it, whatever you gotta do. But the heart of the wicked is of little value. Proverbs 12, 18, the words of the reckless pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise, and underline this part, bring healing. And then finally, he says this in Proverbs 16, 24, gracious words are like a honeycomb. I want to circle that honeycomb. I've been having a lot of honey this past week, trying to get my voice back like a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Solomon gives us four pictures. He says, water, Silver, you could say money, healing, and sweet things. All four of those are things that are either beneficial to life or necessary for survival. Solomon says our words, if we use them right, can be beneficial and necessary for survival. If they are life-giving, they can actually breathe life, breathe benefit into those around us. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, he took these teachings of Solomon, and he was writing to a church in a city called Ephesus, where this group of Jesus followers was trying to figure out how to make life work. And he said to them, based on these teachings from Solomon, he said, let me flesh this out for you a little more, what it means to have words that are life-giving. In Ephesians 4, 29, Paul writes this to a community of Jesus followers. Do not let any unwholesome talk, and I want you to circle unwholesome because we're going to come back to that. It's a loaded word. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only, only what is helpful for building others up according to, not to my needs, but to their needs, that it might benefit those people who listen. And then he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now go back up to that word unwholesome and draw a little line. I want to give you some words for what that word literally means in the original language. That word unwholesome means rotten. It means decaying. It means putrefying. He says, don't let things come out of your mouth that are going to decay someone else's life. Don't let things come out of your mouth. They're going to cause rotten things in someone else's life. Don't let things come out of your mouth that are going to be putrefying for the person that hears it. Only say things that would be life-giving for every single person listening. And then, if that wasn't strong enough, Paul gets really strong He says, because if you don't do it, you can actually grieve the Spirit of God. Now think about that for a second. Did you know that you and I have the power to grieve God? There are only a handful of places in the New Testament of the Bible where we're told that we can actually grieve God or make God sad. And our words, our words 
are one of the key places. That if we, if we don't have uplifting, beneficial words, it can actually cause God to grieve in his spirit. But here's the great part. The other side of that is that if we use our words well, we can actually bring joy to the heart of God simply by the words we speak to and about each other. See, words are so, so powerful that they actually, they don't just, they don't just shape our lives. They shape our Father's heart in heaven. And here's the thing. I know, I know, not one of us in this room wants to grieve God's spirit. Not one of us in this room, every one of us is here. We're up at 8.30 in the morning. Are you kidding me? It's Sunday. We're up at 8.30 in the morning. Why? Because we want to engage with God. We want to bring joy to God. So how do we do it? How do we do it? We do it by uplifting words. And here's why this is the glue that holds it together. Because I was thinking about this. Our words can actually be few. They can be true. And we can say them gently. And they can still tear people down. Here's how I know. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Facebook. Facebook, we have to make our comments, our words few. And in Facebook, our words are generally true, and yet they can still cut people down. I watch Jesus followers who have a bad experience at a restaurant, a bad experience with an airline, a a bad experience at a hotel, and their words are true, and their words are few, and their words are somewhat gentle. They haven't cap-locked their words on Facebook. They're not screaming. And yet they're tearing down a waiter a restaurant, a business, a hotel, an airline, without ever knowing the backstory of the person they're tearing down. See, we don't know when we have bad service at a restaurant. We don't know if the waiter's dad is dying of cancer. We don't know if the the waitress's marriage is falling apart. We don't know if the business is trying to get their processes and protocols in line to better serve us. We, we don't know if the business is experiencing growing pains and they're doing the best they can, but they're flying by the seat of their pants. We never know. But we throw things out on Facebook. Friends, I've been on the other end of that. As a point leader for our church, I have had people, and their words were few. And I can tell you, their words were true. Their criticisms of me were right. And they didn't scream them at me. But boy, is it painful to be on the other end of that. And I'm guessing if you've ever experienced that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And we're told that it grieves God. It grieves God. When our words do anything but lift others up. And I just want to talk to those of us who are Christians for a second. If you're here and you're just checking this out, you just get a sneak peek right now. And I'm not whispering uh, to give you a sneak peek. This is just the best I got. There's a sneak peek. Christians. We should never be known as people who are negative, who are rude, who are critical. Those words should never describe us. We should be known as people that when other people are around us, they think, when I'm around them, it just lifts me up. It just raises my spirits. I don't even know why. I don't know what it is, but every time I'm around them, I feel better after being with them. That's what it looks like to be a person who speaks words that are life-giving. So I want to give us some questions 
to help us speak life because we want to bring joy to God and we want to bring joy to those who hear us. So here's some questions to help us speak life to those around us. The first question is this, how is this, whatever I'm going to say, how is this building someone up? How is what I'm going to say going to help the person or the people who hear it? Before we say anything, we should be asking that question. How? How is this going to build them up? It doesn't mean we never say anything controversial. It doesn't mean we never, um, we never say anything contradictory. It doesn't mean we don't ever disagree with each other. But the heart of our words should be an attempt to build someone up, not to tear them down. When I was in college and my best friend said to me, hey, Kevin, you're killing yourself by smoking. You are killing yourself. That was painful to hear. And yet I knew my friend was saying it because he loved me and he wanted to build me up. And those words were life-giving to me. Wives, wives, do your words build your husbands up? Because your, your man needs to know that you believe in him and that you're his number one fan. If I could talk like Barry White for a second. Girl, are your words bringing life to your man? Come on, girl. Hey, fellas. Hey, fellas. Yeah, yeah. Fellas. Do your words build your wife up? Let me ask you this, guys. When you're around a group of guys, do those guys leave that group thinking, how did he get so lucky to be married to her? Or do they leave the group thinking, I'm so glad I'm not married to her? <laughs> do your words, fellas, come on now. Men's group is not a time to complain about your wife. Do our words build our wives Do the guys around you think he loves her? Man, he, he's got an amazing gift in that wife. Here's the second question. Are there certain words or phrases that I need to retire? Because they just don't build people up. I'm going to give you an example it's not the only example, but it's my story. It's my example. I'm going to say something right now, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to upset everyone on both sides of the spectrum. Okay, so if you're on either extreme, I'm going to say something right now that you're probably not going to agree with wherever you are. If you came to me and you said, hey, Kevin, is cussing a sin? Here's what I would say to you. Maybe. Sometimes. Depends. Yeah, maybe. Sometimes. Depends. When I was in fifth grade, I started cussing because I, I have a superfluous vocabulary and I wanted to spread it out. Superfluous means big. I've been waiting to use that in a sermon. I wanted to spread my vocabulary out. I was a talker, so I started cussing all the time. I was not the biggest kid. I just had the biggest mouth. My good friend Darren was the biggest kid, and he did not like that I cussed. We went to a Nazarene church together. We didn't cuss. We didn't dance, and the pastor didn't wear a wedding ring. Gosh darn it. He said to me, Kevin, every time you cuss, I'm going to hit you. True to his word, every time he cussed, I cussed. He hit me. Here's the problem. Every time he hit me, I cussed because it hurt. It hurt. And so we were in this cycle. 
But over the course of the next 10 to 12 years, cussing became a pattern for me, a habit for me. It was just how I communicated. It was funny. It's how I told jokes. Is it a sin? Not always. But here's what I can tell you about cussing. I've never known a cuss word to lift someone up, to be uplifting. And here's what I knew. When Maria and I got married and tensions got high, those cuss words that were funny over here became the go-to words over here. And then it was a sin. So a few years ago, I just decided, probably, I don't know, eight years ago, I'm going to retire cuss words. I'm just going to retire them. I'm just not going to say them anymore because they're not building anybody up. And I know some of you are saying right now, yeah, but you don't know the business I work in. You don't know the company I work for. If I didn't cuss, I'd be, I'd be weird. I'd be weird. Yeah, that's true. But maybe that's your next step. Maybe that's your next step is to control your tongue in that way to get weird because who wants to be normal anyway maybe for you it's not cussing maybe um maybe you you have what you would call a a discerning spirit translation translation you're critical all the time critical negative you can find the fault in anybody like fault finding you think it's your spiritual gift it's not it's not it's not maybe for some of us we need to retire the negative words that come out of our mouth because it's not building anybody up. The third question to ask, are there life-giving words that I need to incorporate into my vocabulary? So I asked the question, how are my words building people up? If they're not, maybe there's some words I need to retire but what do I do in that void? Well, I need to, I need to fill it with some life-giving words. Here are a few phrases that we could, we could replace with those words that we are retiring if we want to bring joy to God's Spirit and bring life to those who hear us. How about this word, this, this phrase? How about this? You can do this. You can do this. I believe in you. There's a phrase that would build somebody up. How about this? I trust you. I, I need you in my life. I'm proud of you. I respect you. I love you. See, words matter. Words can change people's lives. Words can put a bounce back in the step of someone who's been deflated. Words can help people believe in themselves again the way that God believes in them. That's why Paul says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Only things that build people up. I left a blank on your notes next to each of those phrases. And I just want to ask you to take a second as I talk and ask God to bring someone to mind who needs to hear that from you today. Because Words can change lives. Someone in your life needs to hear some of these words this week. Let me ask you a question. Who would rise to new levels if they heard you say, I trust you? Do you have teenagers at home? I'm telling you, teenagers will rise to a new level if they know dad trusts them, mom trusts them. Hey, I trust you with the car. I trust you 
with the house. Watch your kids raise to new levels. I'm proud of you. Who in your company needs to hear you say this week, I'm proud of you? Do you have any sort of tense dialogue right now or a tense kind of situation with someone at work, at home? I can tell you this. If you were in sharp disagreement with someone, these words, we might not, disagree, we might not agree on this topic, but can I tell you, I respect you and I respect your opinion. Those words can be life giving for someone. Who needs to hear you say, I love you? I am so fortunate. My dad, my dad told me he loved me all the time, all the time. There's not a phone conversation we have even today as adults where he doesn't end with, hey, I love you. That spoke life into me as his son. But I know a lot of, a lot of grown children male and female, whose dads never said to them, I love you. Maybe it's time to go back. Tell them you love them. Tell them you're proud of them. Tell them you're excited for them. Words, words are so powerful. Words shape us. And as Jesus followers, we have the opportunity to, to use our 10,000 words every day to speak life into those around us. What a gift, what a gift from God. Not only will it speak life to those around us, but it actually brings joy to our heavenly Father. And I want to close with some words that I believe some of us need to hear today. Maybe you're hearing you're brand new to new life. Maybe you're brand new to Christianity. Maybe you went to church as a kid, but you left, and now you're coming back, giving it a second shot. I want to tell you some words that you need to hear from God today that will change your life if you actually believe them and internalize them. And Heather alluded to this earlier. In the book of John, chapter 3, verse 16, God says these words. He says, For God so loved the world. And when he said that phrase, the world, what he meant was you and you and you and you. God so loved you that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, who was fully God and fully man. He left heaven, Jesus left heaven and came to earth and lived a perfect life. And then he gave his life on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin, which had separated us from our heavenly father. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that anyone who believes in him would never experience eternal death, but would only experience eternal life, that we would live with God in this world and then live with God in eternity. And then he goes on to say in verse 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save us. But to save us. And I believe there's someone here today who needs to know that God loves you. That Jesus died for you to save you so that you could experience life with him in this world, his forgiveness, and that you could share with him in eternity in unity with God. I'm gonna pray right now, and I'm gonna give you a chance. If you've never entered into a personal relationship with God, I'm gonna give you a chance to do that today, to experience his forgiveness, his love, his grace, and his partnership in this world, and to seal your eternity with him. It's the best decision you could ever make. God loves you. And if you don't hear anything else today, you need to hear your heavenly father say, I love you and you're not here on accident. I brought you here on purpose for this moment, for this moment.
I'm going to pray right now. First, I'm going to pray for all of us that we could take this and, and use it in our lives this week. And then I'm going to pray for you if you're ready to commit your life to God. And I'll just ask you to repeat a simple prayer after me, a prayer where you would commit your life to God and say, God, I want to follow you in this life. So would you join me? Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, would you take these words that we've heard this morning? Would you translate them and sink them deep into our hearts? Would you help us to be a weird community of people whose words bring life to everyone who hears? Whether we say it, tweet it, Snapchat it, Facebook it, blog about it, would everything that we say be life-giving? And would the communities that we walk in every day, God, would they see that our language is different? Would you spark a curiosity in our friends? And when they ask, would you, would you give us the words to help our friends see that you, Jesus, are the one who's working in our lives? Help us to be people who speak life. As we continue to pray, if you're ready to commit your life to God, you can repeat this simple prayer after me. Just whisper it where you're sitting. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me and that you gave your life to pay the penalty for my sin. I want to have a relationship with you. So would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And would you show me what it looks like to walk with you every day of my life from this day forward? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.